Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The podcast where I watch Doctor Who and I tell you all about it. Yes, and we hope that we can continue watching Doctor Who and telling you about it, citizens. But um, <laughs> alas, you know, the, the, the reign of terror is happening right now. And, uh, you know, that tyrant Robespierre, if he has his way, may lead us off to the guillotine. That he will, Citizen Benny. We must rely on on our fellow citizens, D'Argenson and Rouvray, to rescue... Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. We, uh, we may need to rethink our plan there, Citizen <laughs> Yeah, this has been this has been an entertaining serial so far. <laughs> yeah, I've I, I've been enjoying it. I guess we I shouldn't say too much about that until we get to the end, but but I will say I have enjoyed it so far. Yeah, well, um, I remember when we met uh, um, Kublai Khan, then that was near the uh, the end of the Marco Polo serial, and now it sounds like, based on the title, we're about to meet Robespierre also known as the Tyrant of France. So maybe we're, we're heading into the finale, not necessarily this episode, but things certainly seem to be ramping up in that direction. They do indeed. I did want to mention that we are back to another missing episode, actually. Oh, dang. All right. Well, I didn't actually... Uh, I wasn't... Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so for those of you who are, like, watching along at home and are wondering, like, what the fuck, Britbox, why don't you have any of the Reign of Terror episodes, I'm pretty sure they just don't include any episode of a serial where there's any missing episodes. Which you'd think, you know, you'd at least include the ones that we've got. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, as much as it sucks to not be able to watch the whole thing, um, at least show us what's there and give us the option. Yeah. But unlike Marco Polo, I am not watching any Telesnap reconstructions for this. I... Yeah, Marco Polo used to love Telesnap reconstructions. That guy. <laughs> for this episode, I actually got to watch a cartoon. Oh, cool. Yeah. I guess in 2013, the there was a DVD of this whole serial. And like for the DVD, the BBC commissioned animations of the missing episodes. You think if the BBC had already, you know, in their possession animations of the episodes, they'd put that on BritBox. Yeah, I kind of wondered about that, too. But I guess I don't know about, like, the licensing of those, maybe. I guess. Yeah, these things get weird sometimes. Mm -hmm. The animations, I guess, were a co-production of Theta Sigma and Big Finish Productions, which is interesting because Big Finish is the company that produces tons of Doctor Who books and audio plays. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember you were joking about doing a show for the audio dramas <laughs> uh -huh. or audio plays after, after we finish with the episode. Right. That's going to be the Doctor's listener. So there is a, a slight spoiler in that this is 
not the final episode of the serial because there are actually two missing episodes of the serial. This is, you know, the first of two missing ones. Mm. Uh, the, the non-missing episodes apparently were missing for a while, but they were found at television station in Cyprus in 1985. Whoa. And apparently they would have had all episodes of this serial, but the two that are still missing to this day were destroyed in a bombing strike during the Cypriot Civil War. Oh, shit. Right? Wow. Yeah, honestly, one of the coolest things about, I don't know about coolest, but one of the very cool things to me about Doctor Who is the whole story about how the episodes were lost and then how some were recovered yeah and these like really interesting tales of of um places that had copies of them or had been sent copies from the bbc because they were uh, other affiliate right stations that that would then um rebroadcast it it's really fascinating yeah it really is and you know it makes it makes me really grateful that like so many of these stations lost track of them for a while and like never bothered <laughs> to send them back to the BBC because then they were discovered later on and like and we have them now. Yeah. When you know if they had been sent back, who knows? They might have been like taped over. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so it's it's wild um, in this day and age when you know there's digital copies of everything and, and file sharing basically ensures that nothing's going to be lost, you know, for better or worse. <laughs> um, that the idea that physical tapes that are stored in some back room somewhere, um, without even being archived or, or inventoried may still hold some some lost episodes of Doctor Who. It's really fascinating. It really is, yeah. I still have like a secret hope buried deep in my heart that they'll find Marco Polo someday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you never know. So I will say that, you know, the, the official sanctioned way to watch this serial seems to be the DVD. As far as I could tell, that's like probably the the most officially accessible release and the doctor's watcher does not condone illegal activities, but you may be able to find other methods of watching it. I mateys. <laughs> we, who are we to condone illegal ma- methods of watching TV shows are. I, all right, well, should we uh, should we get into it then? Our Benny, do you recall the Cliff Dangler? <laughs> I we just be talking about it mere moments ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think your pirate is way better than my pirate, so I'm going to go ahead and let that pirate uh, walk the plank. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, the the doctor is uh, 
dressed as a, an officer um, in the, the French Revolution, um, thanks to having just bluffed his way into buying a, an officer's <laughs> uniform, um, which is very stylin. We, we established that. And, but now the, uh, the tailor that he, he got the uh, uniform from um, is sort of hot on his trail because he has some sort of evidence that the doctor is not who he claims to be. And that evidence is the ring that the doctor gave him as partially as payment for both the uniform and uh, writing supplies, which we know that he used to forge some credentials for himself. Right. And the tailor really wants to show this ring and whatever else he might have to citizen the matra. Mm -hmm. But of course, Citizen Lemaitre has invited the doctor to accompany him on his visit to Citizen Robespierre. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, Lemaitre and Robespierre just so happened to have been planning on discussing the province that the doctor is claiming to be from. Well, for, for once, a, a, convenient, a convenient plot thread that does not play into our our hero's hands serial. <laughs> and that's basically where we pick up. We actually start like in Robespierre's office and it's a very fancy. He's, you know, this older gentleman who's sitting at a really nice desk. It's, you know, finely carved. The, nice. You know, the camera pans around showing us the whole fancy room. I'm kind of assuming that the animations themselves were probably based off of telesnaps, but I don't actually know. I didn't really search very hard, but it was, I didn't really find much about like the production of the animation. Yeah, I would hope that they would try to, you know, as best they could make it look like the original, but it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Like, uh, when you're at the company making the animation, do you stick to the way that it originally looked? Or if given the opportunity, do you make it look a little better? Because when you're doing animation, your budget is just whatever your hand can draw. Right. As opposed to when you're filming live action, when you actually have to build the thing. Right. And I think personally, if it were my call, I would probably... I would recreate all the shots as far as like framing and camera motion and, you know, cuts and edits and whatnot. I think I would recreate all the shots, but I might make the sets look a bit nicer than, than the BBC soundstage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I don't even know what I would do if, if it were my call. That's a very interesting um, hypothetical question. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Listeners, I'm I'm curious what you would do. Uh, you can tweet us to to say um, would you preserve the original or would you embellish it? Would you feel the uh, the need to gild the lily, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe it's maybe you, you, maybe you're gilding something that needs a little gilding. Actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'd be so curious to hear. Tweet us at Dr. Watcher or write to us at, I think it's the Doctor's Watcher at gmail.com. Is there a thought? I think that? that's right. I think it's the. Uh, 
Alrighty. Well, we might. <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll do to this if we're wrong. Skip to the end of the episode to get our email address for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then come back to this point of the episode and listen to the rest of it. Yes. <laughs> cool. So, Lemaitre comes into the room and gives Robespierre the list of recent executions. And he introduces the doctor as being the regional officer from the unnamed province that they are going to discuss. Mm -hmm. Robespierre is like, oh, cool. Like, that sounds great. Let's hear your report, southern province guy. Mm -hmm. But the doctor asks first if Robespierre wants to hear his views on Paris. Okay, it's an interesting take there, Doctor. Though I guess it's easier to, to bluff your way to, oh, yes, Paris, very very nice city, very charming, uh-huh. um, than to have to come up with info about a province that you've never been to, and certainly not in the uh, middle of the French Revolution. Yeah, uh, but this bluff check, it does not go very well, actually. He rolls a bit poorly on this one. So Robespierre asks... Like, maybe the, the DM got tired of him succeeding <laughs> and it was like, okay, I'm going to make a character with a really high uh, passive in, or maybe active insight. Yeah. Right? Like actively rolling that insight against him. Yeah, Robespierre probably is rolling an active insight. Yes. See, yeah, so he, he asks the doctor basically like when he arrived in Paris. And of course, it was just earlier that day. So Robespierre is like, eh, you haven't really been here long enough to like form an opinion that I would care about. That's right. Screw your opinion, doctor. So he instead wants to know why the purge of state enemies is going so slowly in the doctor's southern region. Yeah, dude, hurry it up. <laughs> we, got, we got deadlines here. We got quotas. Uh huh. The doctor actually ends up suggesting that like, Maybe we just don't really have very many enemies down in our southern region. <laughs> Doctor, I don't think that's going to convince Robespierre somehow. <laughs> yeah, he basically, he kind of suggests that, you know, maybe possibly the reign of terror might actually create more enemies than it disposes of, possibly. <laughs> Nonsense. Uh-huh. <laughs> he basically he starts getting Robespierre like worked up, and Robespierre starts talking all about the various different like families and convention members and everybody who are all plotting against him. But I will triumph, even if I have to execute every last one of them. Death, always death. Do you think I want this carnage? The doctor's like, is that a serious question or a rhetorical one? <laughs> Before I answer. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, apparently Robespierre says that in the past, like, nine days, just in Paris, they have executed 342 people. Mm, busy. So, yeah, I guess they've got, like, pretty high quotas. <laughs> so, after Robespierre's little outburst... The conversation basically ends. You know, there's not really a whole lot you can say to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that'll do it. <laughs> so, you know, Lemaitre and the doctor start to leave, and everyone's just like, well, 
Too bad we didn't really talk about your province very much. Guess you should come back tomorrow. Hmm. The doctor's like, okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh-huh. Over at the safe house, where Barbara and Susan are staying with Jules and Jean, mm-hmm. Barbara is worried about Susan because she's still pretty sick. Yeah, yeah, we are speculating that because um, Susan hadn't escaped earlier because she wasn't feeling well, whether the writers would give us a tangible reason for that right? or or whether it was just like, oh, I guess she had a headache because she wasn't feeling great. Yeah, Barbara gives us a little bit here. She says... I wish I knew for certain what it was. She could have caught almost anything in that jail. Hmm. Well, yeah, at least that's something. Yeah, I guess something. it's, yeah, basically we're we're assuming that she got sick in jail. Mm-hmm. Which seems plausible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> didn't, seem, didn't seem the most sanitary or, <laughs> or uh, you know, luxurious place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the rats that they saw were probably not pets. No. So Leon considers calling a physician... But he says that it's dangerous. They report almost everything to the militia these days, if only to save their own necks. Who can you trust? Yeah. Barbara pushes him on this, though. And he thinks for a minute and then says that he thinks that he knows some physician that they can trust. Cool. Well, you could have started there. (laughs) (laughs) He is kind of like wondering where Jules is, though. He should have been back before this. Uh-oh. I'm not sure if we actually know, like, where Jules had gone off to, where he and Jean had gone, but but they're gone. Leon thinks they should have been back. Barbara assures Leon that, like, if he needs to leave to, like, go check up on Jules or do anything, that she and Susan will be okay. You know, she'll... She'll be safe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he does head out. He heads out to start working on, like, setting things up with a physician. Cool. So he leaves. After he leaves, Barbara sees that Susan's awake. Uh, you know, she had been, like, sitting in uh, a recliner-type chair, basically, and was kind of dozing, and Barbara had thought that she was asleep. But... Susan's actually awake. Barbara offers to help her up to her bedroom to, like, go to, you know, go to bed proper. And Susan says, You like Leon, don't you? I think Susan ships it. Uh-oh. Well, like we said earlier, whatever makes Barbara happy. Yeah. We support. Uh, I will be curious to see what's going to happen when Ian hears of this, though. <laughs> Well, maybe maybe he'll it'll motivate him to bring his A game. <laughs> so Barbara and Susan both leave the room. Barbara is helping Susan up off to bed, and a few moments after they leave the room, the window opens, and Jules and Jean start climbing in through the window, and they are bringing an unconscious body in with them that's got a hood over its head. Dang it, you guys. How many times have I told you? (laughs) (laughs) 
So they get this body in. They, like, set it up in a chair and whatnot. And they get all ready to take its hood off. Now, let's just have a look at him. It's a pity we had to hit him so hard. And, of course, it is Ian. (laughs) I can't believe they actually managed to get the drop on him. Yeah, they must have rolled really well. Or, or the DM was just like, okay, we're going to have to do this one as a cutscene, <laughs> um, just to move the plot along, because uh-huh. you're OP and <laughs> we really need you to, uh, you know, rejoin your your group. You said you were so, you were stalking the alleys of Paris. Well, it turns out you got captured, and now you're at the safe house. Yes, <laughs> I. I I, I did roll it out, you know, just before the game to save us all some time. And, and trust me, they did manage to both sneak up on you and knock you out. Uh-huh. And Ian's like, are you sure? My <laughs> constitution saving throw is pretty... No, no, yeah, it, it was a very high roll. Yeah, I, I actually <laughs> got a, for it. a lot of nat 20s when I pre-rolled and before the game. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird. <laughs> yep, I'm convinced. <laughs> So back at the prison, the doctor has, you know, returned to the prison with Lemaitre and he's complaining to Lemaitre that he didn't get to say nearly as much as he wanted to when they were talking to Robespierre. <laughs> Dang, I was really hoping to incriminate myself <laughs> and make myself look suspicious. Uh-huh. And he claims also that Robespierre twisted his words. Lemaitre is just like politicians usually do. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a kind of an interesting thing. Citizen Lemaitre tells the doctor that he'll get another chance to say whatever he needs to say when they go to talk to Robespierre again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Doctor says that he couldn't possibly do that, but Lemaitre is like, dude. He said you should come back and, like, he's my boss, not you. So, you know. The doctor's like, oh, thank you, but I must decline. And Lemaitre's like, dude, I don't think it's optional. (laughs) (laughs) Lemaitre ends up, like, telling the jailer to find suitable accommodation for the doctor. He will be staying at least until tomorrow night. Doctor says. Definitely no longer. Mm. So, or so he hopes. <laughs> Jailer decides, like one night, he'll just kick one of the soldiers out of the room for the night. He also remembers that he needed to tell Lemaitre that, like, someone's here waiting to see him. So Lemaitre goes off to talk to the tailor, who says he has mm. some information for him. Mm-hmm. And pulls out the doctor's ring. Now I get to find out what that was that he saw. So yeah, he the tailor pulls out the doctor's ring, and the camera actually cuts away. Oh, <laughs> no, we, we have a ways to go yet. We need to wait to find out, I guess. Hi, I hope you're enjoying the episode. If you like our podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to ask us a question, 
share your thoughts or make fun of us, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at drwatcher. Thanks for listening, and now back to the episode. We cut back to the jailer and the doctor. And, you know, the jailer is going to go kick the soldiers out of their bedroom for the night so the doctor can have it. And the doctor's like, nah, it's cool. Like, don't worry about it. I'm not actually going to stay. Really, I should, like, be heading out. And the jailer insists. And he actually insists so hard that he pulls a gun on the doctor. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. And it's, you know, basically the same kind of thing. It's like, you know, Lemaitre said you're staying for the night. Lemaitre is my boss. I don't want to, like, get fired. So you're staying for the night. Yep. So he pulls the gun. The doctor's like, And just what do you think you're doing, Jailer? Hmm? Hmm? Jailer's like, Lemaitre said you were staying. I must obey him. And the doctor points out that Lemaitre, like, might be pretty pissed when he hears that the jailer, like, pulled a gun on the doctor and, like, delayed him on his journey. Hmm. But jailer thinks that Lemaitre would be even more pissed if the doctor left. Bluff check failed. Uh-huh. Yeah, he finally rolled poorly. So, well, I guess he also failed to bluff um, Robespierre. That's so. true, that's true. Yeah, Doctor, might want to rethink your strategy here. So, yeah, he actually gives in. He His bluff check didn't work, and so he says, Very well, I'll stay then. And I shall say nothing of this disgraceful behavior, if only for your sake. Also because I don't want uh, Lemaitre to know that you had to pull a gun on me. Uh-huh. We cut back to Lemaitre and the tailor, but they've actually, the tailor's actually finished telling his story to Lemaitre. The story of the doctor having unlocked the regional officer of the province's outfit. <laughs> yep. Of course, I realize it may be nothing, but it was my duty to report it. Oh, uh, so we really do come in right at the end and we don't even know what it was that he said. Basically, yeah. Interesting, interesting. He asks Lemaitre if Lemaitre's going to keep the ring and the doctor's like previous outfit that he had traded in. And Lemaitre says that they'll be needed as evidence. Mm-hmm. So Taylor kind of gets this look on his face and he's like, Oh. Yes. Of course, you realize they were part of the exchange. <laughs> uh, you, you, you know, I'm, uh, I'm going to come out of this having given away a uniform for nothing. Right? <laughs> I'm a poor man, citizen, and normally I'd have thrown him out of my shop. Mm. So, Lemaitre is actually reasonable. He gives him a bag of coins. and oh, Nice. Yeah. The tailor kind of does... You know, like the token protest, oh, I can't accept payment for something that was like, you know, my citizenly duty to do. Wait a second ago, he was complaining that he uh, needed some some money out of this. Right. <laughs> but, you know, Lemaitre, like, 
I guess it, it is just a token protest, and Lemaitre knows this, and you know yeah. he he insists, but he does he does make the tailor promise to like not tell anyone about what happened, which was interesting. Yeah, I guess maybe he was like, "Oh, poor me! I just you know lost out on the cost of this uniform." And then when Lemaitre was like, "Okay, fine, here's some payment," he's like, "Oh no, I wasn't trying to <laughs> like you know get payment out of you. I was uh-huh. just commenting on my situation." Lemaitre's like, "No, dude, it's fine. We all get <laughs> we all get it." Yeah, exactly. He has the tailor leave through the back door so he won't be seen in prison. And Interesting. Yeah, back back at the safe house, Barbara re-enters the, you know, the main like hangout room after having taken having taken Susan up to bed. Mm-hmm. And in this main hangout room, she finds Jules and Jean and Ian. Uh-huh. So we give this nice long barbarian reunion hug. Hmm. She's already forgotten about Leon. Uh-huh, it seems, yeah. Well, that ship lasted about an episode <laughs> and a half. <laughs> we get a quick round of introductions, and when Ian hears Jules' name, he's like Not Jules Renault by any chance. And Jules is like, dude, no last names. Oh, interesting. <laughs> no, he actually confirms it. He's like, oh, yeah, that, that's me. Um, apparently, this is the guy, Jules Renan, is the guy that Webster had told Ian to find to help him find James Sterling. Oh, cool. Thanks for the reminder. So, I, I had not remembered that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I, if I had specifically mentioned that earlier or not. But yeah, Dead Webster, Ian's former cellmate, you know, wanted him to deliver this message to James Sterling, and in order to find James Sterling, he told him to find Jules Renault. Mm-hmm. So okay, gotcha. You know his. I, I, I follow now. <laughs> his adventure log updates. The little checkbox next to find Jules Renault gets checked off, mm-hmm. and he continues the dialogue, and you know explains to Jules Renault you know, what he's there for, why he's been looking for James Sterling, etc., etc. But it turns out, unfortunately, Jules does not know who either Webster or James Sterling are. Hmm. Interesting. The trail has grown cold. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he says, Men like Webster have been in touch with me before. I imagine the English are giving me as a contact to people they send over in case they need help. <laughs> I wish they'd stop. <laughs> uh, he doesn't seem to mind too much, but Jean actually is not too happy about this idea of being used by the English. But Jules is basically like, you know, hey, enemy of my enemy, am I right? Mm-hmm. Jean heads out. He wants to get started on his next quest which is to find Susan's grandfather. So he leaves. Meanwhile, Jules and Ian continue talking, and Jules has an idea about someone who might be able to help Ian. Okay. Of course, there is one man. Leo. (laughs) (laughs) 
Ian asks, Friend of yours? And Jules responds, We've shared many escapades. He moves in a very wide circle and knows a great many people. Perhaps he is James Sterling. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I, I would really be into that. That would be an interesting uh, development. Yeah, that'd be a fun twist. So Ian, of course, wants to meet him, which Jules says is going to be super easy because he's going to be bringing a physician for Susan tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Next morning, the doctor meets Lemaitre down in the jailer's office, and Lemaitre asks if he slept well. I did not. The bed was hard, and the draft blew through the room like the north wind. <laughs> well, you asked. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Lemaitre apologizes, but the doctor's like, but if I catch rheumatism, on the potages, won't cure it. Wait. Hmm? Hmm. Oh, man, he just got hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, the two of them head out for breakfast. Apparently, they're going to, like, have a nice brunch together. Well, no, no reason to go hungry. <laughs> Back at the safe house, a message arrives. It's a message from Leon saying that the physician won't come. Apparently, he thinks it's too dangerous or whatever. Okay. So, you know, Barbara is obviously upset by this. Mm-hmm. And Jules tries to calm her down and, like, tells her, you know, if the physician's not going to come, that just means that we're going to have to, like, send Susan to the physician instead. Hmm. So. Okay. Sounds like a quest, an uh-huh. escort quest. Ian wants to do the escort quest. Of course he does. <laughs> <laughs> he is Ian, person of action. Uh-huh. But Jules thinks it would be less suspicious looking if two women went. So he thinks that Barbara should do the escort quest. I will point out again that here's another instance of a non-doctor character referring to two women when he refers to Barbara and Susan rather than a woman and a young child. <laughs> yes. It's, it is nice to see that the uh, NPCs treat Susan with a bit more respect. Yeah, for sure. So Jules thinks that Barbara should do the quest. Ian's not sure about it, though. He says, I've just found them. I don't want to lose them again. Mm. But He doesn't want to... You know, it's, it's one of these things like, on the one hand, like, oh, you know, he wants to make sure that they're okay but on the other hand i'm like or is he doing the whole like patriarchal protect the women type deal yeah i think it could really be interpreted either way or both yeah but jules basically overrules him and you know he reminds ian like you know i've still got this meeting i'm arranging between you and leon so So Barbara gets the quest. Okay. We skip the travel scene and cut directly to the physician's office. Okay. And the physician is telling Susan that, like, she's not really that bad, but he doesn't understand how or why she got sick. Tell me. I'm starting to suspect that the the writers just couldn't be bothered to come up with an actual disease for her to have. <laughs> he says, Tell me, have you, uh, have you any idea how you came to catch it? 
And of course, at this point, like, they all think it was because of being in prison, but Mm -hmm. they can't really say that to the physician. (laughs) I guess so. So she just says that she doesn't know. Uh, But the physician is acting like he thinks that they're both pretty sus. He's like looking at the blisters on Susan's hands and shit. And she's just like, oh, I like gardening. That's it. But, you know, all of a sudden he's like, yes, I'll treat her. It's a simple method of bloodletting. Uh oh. (laughs) Unfortunately, I shall have to go out and collect some leeches. You called rather early. I was on my way to collect them first thing this morning, but you're welcome to wait. Uh oh. Well, I mean, on the one hand, if he gets leeches, that's not great. But on the other hand, I don't think he's getting leeches. <laughs> I think he's alerting the the authorities. Uh-huh. Yeah, so he leaves. Susan... He's getting a different kind of bloodsucker. There we go. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> All cops are leeches. <laughs> A-C-A-L. Yes. <laughs> oh, A-C-A-B. All cops are bloodsuckers. Dang it, Kyle. <laughs> you genius. <laughs> So he leaves. Susan only heard the word leeches in in his little <laughs> monologue. That was enough for her. Uh huh. She really does not want to stick around and get leeched. Mm-hmm. Barbara's like, yeah, that's totally fair. Also, I think that he thinks that we're sus anyway. So let's just go ahead and GTFO. Yes. But the door's locked. They are locked inside the physician's office. Yeah, that confirms it. We cut to the jailer, and he is dispatching some soldiers to the physician. Uh huh. And, like, the physician is seems a little bit worried about, like, making sure he's got the right people or whatnot, but. You know, the jailer is like, yeah, I mean, based on the description you gave, they're definitely the escaped prisoners. Mm -hmm. And we cut back to the physician's office. Barbara is like still trying to get the door open when they, you know, hear noises outside. And the physician is back with all the soldiers and they re-arrest Barbara and Susan. Dun-dun-dun. Back at the safe house, Ian is starting to get worried about how long things are taking and why are Barbara and Susan not back yet. Mm -hmm. But Jules is like, you know, dude, chill out. Don't worry. It's pretty common to have to wait at the physician's office. Pretty sure someday they might even invent a room specifically to wait in. (laughs) I don't know what they would call it, but... A room for waiting, maybe. <laughs> uh, in this case, I fear there's a bit more to it than that. Yeah, Ian agrees with you, Benny. And so he's still pretty worried. Jules can tell that Ian's still pretty worried. And so he offers, if it'll help Ian to feel better, Jules will go and like collect Barbara and Susan from the physician's office himself. So, you know, Ian's glad for that. But before Jules leaves, Ian's got this meeting with Leon coming up. 
So Jules like draws Ian a map of where he needs to go to meet with Leon. Apparently it's at this old church. Cool. I'm in, I'm into that secret meeting at an old church. He draws Ian the map and he heads out and we cut back to the prison actually. And at the prison, we see the jailer have a brief conversation with Lemaitre and Susan gets put back into a cell, but Barbara gets taken for questioning. Oh, jeez. Well, uh, hmm. So see how good her bluff checks are, I guess. Yeah, they they take Barbara over to the interrogation room and you know put her in where the jailer addresses the waiting interrogator. Citizen Lamert, thought you might like to question this prisoner. And <laughs> and who's the interrogator? He leaves Barbara alone in the room with the doctor. Quelle <sighs> surprise! <laughs> so they have a, a nice, pleasant reunion. This is this is the first time that Barbara has seen the doctor, basically since the safe house. Yeah, this is like, yeah. The doctor's just been doing his own subplot this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the first confirmation for Ian or Barbara or Susan that the doctor, like, didn't burn to death. Oh, that's true, yeah. Dang. (laughs) So they have a nice, pleasant reunion, but what they don't know is that Lemaitre is right outside the door listening in. Mm Mm-hmm. That that makes sense. He's he's a wily one. Mm Mm-hmm. And now, now he knows that the doctor is in cahoots. Ian is walking through a dark and very spooky church crypt with lots of shadows and arches and pillars. And he meets up with Leon. You must be Ian. So Ian starts explaining that Jules thought that Leon might be able to help him when he hears and sees some more motion. Soldiers. Yikes. Yeah. Leon responds. Yes, I know. You walked right into my trap, didn't you, Ian? Oh, shit. I, I, not what I expected. I was honestly, okay, I'll tell you <laughs> what direction I was going to take this. Because remember when we were talking about the Leon Barbara ship? Uh-huh. Um, I was like, man, wouldn't it, when, when things work out well, if, if we could see some sort of sparks fly between Ian and Leon as well. Oh, that'd be then, fun. Then all three of them could just be happy together. <laughs> Barb, uh, Barb Leonian? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some creative fanfic writers can can still turn this one around because, you know, maybe betraying him or, or laying a trap for him could lead to I don't know some sort of you're my prisoner. Uh, let me explain to you my motivations, and then yeah, there there are definitely some directions that could go. So, something like you know, oh. Actually, you seem like nothing. I'm trying to take this like not in a bad direction, but just like I don't want to say Stockholm syndrome because that doesn't sound great either. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and 
with this moment of betrayal, the title's next episode, A Bargain of Necessity, appear on screen. cool intriguing yeah this has been a a fairly intriguing serial in general yes um yeah i i didn't see that coming i mean when when the one guy was like oh it could even be um what's his name sterling right um i can't remember his first name now (laughs) james Uh, it could even be james sterling like leon could be james sterling i was like oh dang that would be interesting that would also sort of move the plot along (laughs) in a nice uh expeditious manner but uh i guess not yeah kind of moving the plot along in the opposite direction (laughs) that works that works too and yeah, so I guess I guess I already spoilered for you and the listeners that that this was not the last episode of the serial, and obviously that is still true. Indeed. The next episode, Bargain of Necessity, is another missing one, so I'm going to be watching the animation again. Cool. So how 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 good is this animation? Like how high quality is the cartoon? Um. It's it's pretty decent actually. It's you know not like the the most amazing animation I've ever seen, but <laughs> but you know it's like several steps up from say like Star Trek the animated series. <laughs> yes, between from, from on the scale from Star Trek the animated series to uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, <laughs> <laughs> where where is this show? I mean, on that scale, it might be closer to Star Trek than to Avatar. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a high bar, high bar. But yeah, it's actually it's actually not bad. The you know whoever the artist is, like I don't know if they were you know tracing telesnaps or or what, but like the characters all look correct, which was not necessarily true in the Marco Polo CGI that I watched. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. The settings all look good. There's, I think there were a few moments with like, you know, some glow effects on candles and stuff like that. So, you know, some simple lighting effects in the animation. Okay. It's all black and white, which was interesting. Huh. Yeah. Again, I guess that sort of brings us back to what we were saying earlier when given the opportunity, um, to to redo something do you try to match the original or or do you uh take the the chance to improve it and yeah i i mean it might be jarring to see it in color um yeah but yeah for some reason i just assumed that it wasn't color when you were describing it um but i guess that makes sense that they might want to do it in black and white there were a few moments where there were some very fast cuts in the animation, maybe during dialogue and it, you know, it cuts very quickly from one character to another or like during some scenes of action, it cuts a lot. And I obviously I don't know what the original film looked like, but I kind of felt that maybe some of those could have been slowed down or some of the edits could have been dropped and we could have held one shot for a bit longer. But yeah. But yeah, on the whole, I was pretty happy with the animation. 
I mean, even if they're going from telesnaps, because you only get a telesnap, you know, once every, I don't know, interim of time, it would be very difficult to recreate, reconstruct the pacing from that. Yeah. So, yeah, I wonder. Interesting. That'd be an interesting challenge, I think. Yeah, it would be. And, you know, I obviously don't know if there are, like, director's notes from the original filming that still exist that they could have referred to. (laughs) Kind of doubt it. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, too. I don't think. Uh, Cool. So, so yeah, so what was the next one? A, a, A deal of necessity? A bargain of necessity. Bargain of necessity. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be the... Well, I, I mean, I, I assume it might be Ian and uh, Leon striking that bargain because Ian has no choice. But I also sort of wonder if maybe at the same time, like the doctor and Barbara may need to make some sort of bargain with La Maitre. Um, eh, it's probably yeah, yeah. the doctor and Ian. I mean, uh, it's probably going to be Leon, Leon and, Ian. and Ian. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, interesting. Well, cool. come back in two weeks and find out, listeners. Yes. All right, listeners, we will make our bargain. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher. on me. No. I got the impression that he suspected us. Come on. Let's go. Yeah.